good morning, church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, good. So glad to be in worship with you this morning. Welcome. If you are here or online worshiping with us now or in the future, we are glad that you're here to worship with us, to be bound together by the Spirit um, as we glorify God uh, here this morning. So before we get started, I want to go ahead and dismiss our kids for Revolution Kids. Mr. Matt is ready for you. He had a whole truck full of stuff this morning. Boxes, props, all kinds of stuff. So y'all have fun. All right, so we're continuing this morning in our teaching series called Holy Ghost Stories, kind of inviting us to kick off the summer by, you know, gathering around the campfire, sharing some stories of how God is still moving and active in our world to get today, looking specifically at some scriptures uh, and really asking, how can we experience the Holy Spirit right now? today. We kicked this off last week by celebrating Pentecost, uh, which is that moment that we celebrate when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the early disciples who were gathering there waiting in Jerusalem. And scripture tells us it came like a mighty wind and like tongues of flame and it fell on the the gathering of the disciples there and and they were speaking in different tongues and and people around them uh, could understand even though they didn't come from the same parts of the world, they were speaking the language that others could understand. Such a, such a powerful sort of chaotic scene that some people thought that the disciples must have been drunk. Right? It's only 9 a.m. <laughs> they must be drunk. We celebrated that with, with Pentecost last week, but reminded ourselves that that wasn't just a, an event in the past to, to celebrate and to commemorate, but that was to fulfill the prophet Joel, who said, in those days, in the last days, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh, on men and women, on young and old, on the servants and on others, and all people will prophesy and dream new dreams. And at that, those are still the days that we are living in, that the Holy Spirit is still being poured out on all flesh and is still here among us, leading and guiding us and interceding for us and inspiring us and empowering us. I heard this past week uh, a story from another pastor friend who said it, you know, maybe you've, you've heard something like this. It was the, the fifth grade uh, Sunday school girl, the fifth grade girl who on Pentecost when, when asked her Sunday school teacher, what is Pentecost? And the teacher said, oh, it's, it's this amazing event when, when the Holy Spirit just came like a rushing wind and, and it was just wild and tongues of fire and flame. And, and the girl paused and said, oh, I must have missed that Sunday. <laughs> you ever feel like you missed that Sunday? <laughs> like we know these things to be true. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, be poured out. You are welcome here. But some days, some seasons, man, we just want to feel it. We just want to know that we are being led and guided and inspired by the Holy Spirit and not maybe ourselves or our own thoughts or our own ways so that's part of what we're doing in this series as well, how to discern the movement and leadership of the Holy Spirit. And the passage of Scripture, the story that we're going to turn to today that I think can help us uh, learn to discern or maybe glean some wisdom from this story to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God, uh, comes from 1 Samuel. It's the call story of Samuel. 
in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Anyone ever, I don't know if you're going to want to raise your hand to this, but has anyone ever felt like they heard an audible voice from God? Some? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Or just you knew that you knew that you knew that this is what the Lord was telling me in this moment. Kind of, I say it was in my gut. I just knew it's where my Holy, the Holy Spirit lives in my gut. <laughs> you just knew. Some folks, it's an audible voice. Um, some not. Uh, and, and honestly, some moments like that in my life, they haven't happened that frequently, right? It was sort of one of those overwhelming Holy Spirit moments. They're defining moments in my faith journey. And we see one of those today here in the call story of Samuel. So let's take a look. We're going to read, or I'm going to read. It's kind of long. I, that, I should just, we should just come to expect that, right? Um, not 45 verses like we had a few weeks ago. That's going to be at the end. But 1 Samuel 3, 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 19. We can handle that this morning. We can handle that. Okay, so I'm going to read this story for us this morning. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Remember that. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from you, from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. 
Ooh, two bonus verses. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord, and the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord for us, the people of God. And let's say, thanks be to God. I wanted you to remember that part at the beginning. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. It's the setting in Israel in which Samuel the boy is called. While serving in the temple with the priest Eli, this is a time of great transition in Israel. The story of Samuel falls after the first two books of Judges. So we're in between this time of transition after the judges that have ruled and led Israel and before the first king of Israel. And things, let's just say, are not going well. Things are not going well. The system of judges had failed miserably. There were tribal wars between those 12 tribes of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, that really threatened to tear the people apart. The community was in chaos. And we know this from just reading the last couple of chapters of Judges right before 1 Samuel and this call. And just the last couple of chapters of Judges, we learn that Micah, who is a Levite, one of the tribes, has established an alternate worship system, like a a different, you know, not worshiping God. The Danites, the tribe of Dan, have sort of infiltrated, taken over a town, and then stolen some of Micah's gods and priests, and then decided to adopt that new religion for themselves. And then a group of Benjamite men did some really horrific things at the end of the book of Judges, including assaulting and murdering a woman, and then causing then a civil war in response that led to the assault and abduction of many more women in surrounding neighborhoods. The whole tribe was almost wiped out. There was pretty much civil war between some of the tribes over this. And the book of Judges ends in this way. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Pretty much sums it up. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There is complete corruption among the people of God. I'm not talking about a nation state here. I'm not talking about the kingdom of Israel. I'm talking about the people of God. Complete corruption in their worship life, in their communal life, violence, war, false worship. It's a very precarious time for Israel when the word of the Lord was rare and there were not frequent visions. They are leading in their own vision here. They are doing what they see as right in their own eyes. And here then comes the call of Samuel. The first prophet to be called in Israel since Moses. The call of Samuel into the chaos. Out of the chaos, Samuel is called. So how does he learn then to discern the voice of God in this story? He did not know God. It had not been revealed to him before. But over the course of this episode, he learns to discern that this is the voice of God and to respond by, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
It's another translation. Speak, Lord. Here I am. Your servant is listening. Well, there are two people that I think play a really important role in Samuel's life that help him discern the voice of God in this moment. Two people that I want to just look at for a moment. To understand Samuel, we got to go back just a few. Instead of 1 Samuel chapter 3, where we read from today, I want to back it up, just two chapters, to 1 Samuel 1, because Samuel's story actually begins with his mother. Bible trivia. Hannah, well done. Sunday school award for Micah and others that I heard. Samuel's mother is Hannah. And in 1 Samuel 1, we learn that Hannah is one of two wives of a man named Elkanah. And Hannah desperately wants children. The other wife has many and is taunting and teasing Hannah because she does not have any. We also know that Hannah says she was given a double portion. Hannah is the favored wife. There's just a lot. You can see that, you know. Like, she's making fun of her. Like, well, you're the favored wife, but you don't have any children. I have all the children. Hannah desperately wanted kids. And Scripture tells us she was deeply distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. She's actually weeping and, and in, the, in the temple and praying. And Eli, the priest, then thinks that she's drunk. This is a theme, I guess. She thinks that, he thinks that she's just babbling nonsense. She's praying this very faithful prayer. And she's dedicating her son to say, if I'm given a son, this is what I will do. And so when Samuel is born, she praises God. She, she almost offers this like prophetic prayer over his life in 1 Samuel chapter 2. It's a beautiful prayer. And she dedicates him to the service of the Lord in the temple with Eli. It's kind of a strange thing, we might think, that she, she kind of just like doesn't give her son up, but like he stays there. He grows up. He serves in the temple with Eli. And you think, oh gosh, that's kind of strange. It's not unlike what we do in baptism of our children, where we offer them over to the Lord. Not my will be done, but yours, oh God. I dedicate this child to the service of the Lord. That is the, the faithful prayer and action that Hannah takes in this moment. If anything, then Samuel is receptive to the voice of God. He does not recognize it at the beginning of our story, but he's receptive. He's open to how God might speak, maybe because he had grown up in those holy halls, but also because of the faith of his mother. To understand the call of Samuel, we have to understand the faith of Hannah, his mother. His call starts there. The, the mother who nursed him, who, who cooed over him, who prayed for him, who sang over him, who weaned him so that he could be free to learn how to minister to God in the temple with Eli. I think Hannah teaches us and reminds us that we have been brought before God through a series of relationships in our lives. There are others who have been like Hannah for us. And there are others who are like Hannah for us, going before us, preparing us to be receptive to hear from the voice of God. Whether it's 
parents or pastors or family members or youth leaders and other friends, those people who have shepherded us and nurtured us into the place where we might have an encounter such as Samuel. So I wonder, we call this maybe agents of provenient grace in our lives, those people who have gone before us and prepared the way for us to be open to and receptive to faith in God. Who have those people been in your life? Who are those people now for you? Who have your Hannahs been? To understand the call of Samuel, we first need to understand Hannah. But then the second person that plays an an active and obvious role in Samuel's life is, of course, Eli. Now, Eli, it says in Scripture that his eyesight has begun to grow dim. He's advanced in years, traditionally sort of implying that for a priest, he's no longer hearing from God or seeing. And this is a part where if I've I've heard teachings or, or sermons on this before, like, We give Eli a really hard time. Our teaching this morning is about Samuel. So I'm just going to say, Eli might have had his own issues, but he did a few things right by Samuel in this story. At first, he, he did actually discern after three times, knowing that he was the one not calling Samuel's voice. He did actually discern that, like, okay, this is God, and here's what you need to do. Go back lay down, and when you hear your voice again, this, your name again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He taught him what to do. He mentored him. And even later, when Samuel was afraid to share the word of the Lord that had been given to him, especially to Eli, it was Eli who again mentored him and said, do not hold back. Share what it is that the Lord has spoken to you. He tells him to speak, Lord. So in most translations, if you were to go back and look at the passage, when when God calls Samuel three, four times, right, there's an exclamation point. Samuel, Samuel. And so you kind of have this, it's easy to sort of maybe assume that this is a voice of God and it's like yelling. It's obvious, But there's actually nothing in the Hebrew text that would give us an indication that this is an exclamation. If anything, it's more similar to the voice of God that we hear when God calls Elijah in 1 Kings. When he finds Elijah in the wilderness and he's really not in a good place and he really very much wants to die. And it says he is zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. Like Elijah is just really wanting to be in God's presence. And scripture says that God, a big earthquake comes, and no, God was not in the earthquake. A big like firestorm comes, and no, God was not found in the fire. But then there was silence. Or another translation, a still, small voice. And that's where God was found. This voice that that Samuel hears of God is most similar to this same audible voice that Elijah hears in the wilderness, in this wilderness moment where he finds God in the silence, a very still, small voice. This is the voice that we must discern. This is the voice that we must learn to hear. 
that we must be taught to recognize by others who have gone before us and mentored us. I don't know about you, but I would love to hear like an audible exclamation voice, like screaming at me, Rachel, Rachel, to get my attention. Wouldn't that be nice? Right before I'm about to make a really awful decision, right? Or just like, you know, really mess up. I would really love an exclamation. (laughs) That's just not always how it works. And with all the noise and chaos in our world today, with all of the people sort of yelling at us, telling us which way to go and what is right and what is truth and what we should believe. There's lots of exclamations today. The practice and discipline of faith is to quiet ourselves and to quiet the noise and the attention that we give the world and to discern the still, small voice. God that shows up in the silent, desperate moments of our lives and speaks to us. We have to be taught how to recognize this voice. I can't do that on my own. Otherwise, it might just be my own thoughts in my own head that I think, again, doing what's right in my own eyes, I've got to be taught how to recognize this voice, the still, small voice. It reminds me, In John chapter 10, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, you guys remember this passage? I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. They too will listen to my voice. The sheep know the voice of their shepherd, and they follow him. Jesus is the good shepherd. Samuel reminds us that we need other people to teach us how to recognize this voice. help attune our ears and heart to hear from God. So I wonder, just as we've had Hannah's in our lives who've prepared the way, we also need a community of people that go before us and who teach us, who who have mentored you to listen for this voice, who has been an Eli for you. Spoiler alert, this is what we're going for here. Discerning the voice of God at work in the world today and leading and guiding us and inspiring us and empowering us is a communal discernment. None of this happens by themselves. There's a community of people around Samuel, a mother who prepared him, who dedicated him, who prepared the way, a mentor who taught him. Now, there's some maybe like stand-apart stories, right, of like some, some clouds parting, Like, I'm thinking of, like, the conversion of Saul. (laughs) Okay. Like, yes, no one else was really involved in that moment. I'll give you that. I know what you're thinking. But most often, most frequently, if we as a people of faith are trying to discern, like, day in, day out, in the monotony of life, discernment takes community. It's not something that we do on our own. Hearing from the voice of God takes community. It takes mentors. It takes people to sort of test and see, this is what I'm feeling. This is what the Lord is telling me right now. What, what's God telling you? What do we do with this? In my own life, that looked like a lot of people sort of encouraging me and nurturing my gifts and telling me that I wasn't crazy to be following this path to ordained ministry. 
right, in a time that I was discerning what to study, where to go to seminary, if I should pursue ordination or not, should it be elder or deacon or not. It was a series of mentors from camp ministry to chaplain ministry to youth ministry to local church ministry that helped me over time, I mean over a period of like seven years, to discern that yes, there are gifts to, to wider ministry. Or to yes, that that sort of thought or idea that you had about preaching every week that just ter- terrified you when you were 15 years old, that like that wasn't just from you, I was hoping that that had just been from me. I'm going to be honest. I don't, this whole working on a deadline every week, man, y'all, that's a lot. <laughs> I was hoping that was just a thought in my own head. But it was others who tested, who encouraged who helped me discern that this was the way that God had called me in this moment for this season. Who, are, who have your Eli's been? Who are they now? Who helps you discern the voice of the good shepherd and to know it's not just our own ideas, but it's Jesus, the Christ, the one who has given us his Holy Spirit to lead and guide and empower us still today. This is the voice that we must discern. So, you know, it would be really nice if our story just ended there. And I could have chosen for it to end there <laughs> and read a few, just a few uh, fewer verses. It would be nice to think of the story in the call of Samuel as the mother who prepared him, as Eli the priest who mentored him. And then, do you remember at the end of the passage, and it was like, and the word came to the people at Shiloh. After a really long drought season where they hadn't seen visions or heard from the Lord in a long, long time, here comes the next prophet, and they heard from the Lord at Shiloh. And you're sort of led to believe that then it stayed. (laughs) And Samuel goes on to be a great leader in time of transition for Israel. He kind of continues to go around in the absence of judges and the absence of a king, and, and he travels around and, and pronounces judge, judgments. He kind of cleans things up. He's even a great military leader. He's a prophet. He will go on to anoint the first two kings of Israel. Now, he warns them, though, as a prophet should. This isn't a good idea. <laughs> this isn't going to work out how you all think it will. But he anoints Saul, and he anoints David, kings of Israel, He's he's the one called out of the chaos to to really lead them through that time of transition. And we could have ended it there. We could have said, look at the star Samuel. How God is still calling us today, which is true. But I don't want us to miss the really important part about the first word of God that God gives to Samuel. Y'all remember? That was a difficult word. The first time that he hears from God takes him a couple times to discern it was him. And it's Eli who helps him discern that. And then he hears a word of judgment against Eli and his family. And that's because some of Eli's sons, who again, this is the priestly family, so it's their birthright to serve as priests in the temple. And these his sons are rotten, just plain and simple. They're doing some just horrific things to people that come to the temple, the people that come to offer sacrifices, they abuse the spiritual authority that's been given to them and their family. 
Blasphemy is what scripture says. And Eli let it happen. Eli let it go on. Corruption within the house of the Lord among the people of Israel. And it's Samuel who is given this word that God says, I'm going to fire this priestly family. It stops here. Can you imagine? I'm not exactly sure how old Samuel was at this point, but we know he's young. It's a hard word, son, I know. He's young. Can you imagine that the first word as a prophet that you have to speak comes against the very institution that raised you, the very person who taught you? And you've got to pronounce this judgment now, like carry out the message from God. This is not an easy word. There's a reason that Samuel was scared. In his youth, at the beginning of his ministry, he does not want to do this. But it's again Eli, and maybe a moment of of faithfulness, who says, no, you must. Calling Samuel to speak boldly and prophetically, even against the very institution that formed him for the sake of a faithful witness moving forward. To speak against the leadership and family of Eli. Do you know the word of hope for me here today is? That out of chaos, God is still working. That out of chaos, God is still calling. And I'm not just talking about the chaos of our world but I'm talking about the chaos within the people of God. You talk about a faithful witness moving forward. I'm afraid the church today finds itself in a situation not all that unlike the people of God in the time of Samuel. Corruption in the house of the Lord. And I'm not talking about Revolution Church. I'm talking about universal church. People that claim the name of Jesus Christ and and, and assume to witness to him in the world that have caused harm and damage. Tribalism, wars, sexual assault, corruption in worship. I mean, some of these things are not unlike the situation of the people of God in the time of Samuel. I know that we have a diverse uh, uh, congregation this morning in age. So I will just allude to news that we've heard from the Southern Baptist Convention and years of cover-ups and protections to protect power and influence and the harm and damage that it's caused. We need to learn to discern the voice of God again, to listen for a still, small voice of the Spirit who is calling, calling us by name to prepare others to receive this call, even if it means that they will grow up and speak against the very institution that formed him. If it means that there will be a more faithful witness going forward, that's what needs to happen. If it means that no more harm will be done in the name of Jesus Christ and abuse, then it needs to happen. And the church needs to respond with repentance, with change, with admitting where we have gone wrong, where we have failed to be an obedient church and said no more. No more will we, will we protect and, and perpetuate 
that which has caused harm to those among us. Whether it be women or children or vulnerable adults or whoever it may be. God is still calling. And that's where I find a word of hope this morning in the story of Samuel. That even out of the mess of things, God is calling faithful prophets. And not people that are going to be professional, institutional leaders up here. (laughs) Ordinary people. All of us. All of us to be a prophetic, prophetic voice and a prophetic witness. To receive the power that God gives us. The power of the Holy Spirit to resist evil and injustice and oppression in whatever forms they find themselves. That's what we talked about, what the Spirit does last week. And what we as United Methodists have claimed in our vows to say, this is what we're going to be about. We're going to accept and receive the freedom and the power Christ gives us to reject evil and injustice and oppression. Hear me, not just in the world, but within our very church. For the sake of a faithful witness moving forward. That's the power that's given to us. That's the responsibility in this time after Jesus who empowers us to continue his work of ministry in the world. God is still calling. My question is, are we listening? Are we listening for the still small voice? Are we listening in the chaos to to show us the way to follow the good shepherd, Jesus Christ and none other, the way of Christ, the ministry of Christ, the life of Christ? Out of the chaos, that's the hope that we have in Christ and Christ alone. And I hope that our prayer just continues to be, come Holy Spirit, come. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that even when we can't see it, you are working. Even when we can't feel it, you are working. God, we give you thanks that you never stop. That you never stop calling. That you never stop encouraging and and interceding and, and calling out to us to show us the way. God, would you give us the courage that we need to create space and room in our lives that we might begin to discern and hear that voice again. Give us the courage that we need to to prepare the way for others who will come behind us to be faithful to the call of the Holy Spirit. Would Would you give us the tools and resources we need to teach and mentor others and to remind ourselves that this is a communal effort that we don't discern the way of Jesus, the call of the Spirit alone, but we do so in conversation and in community with one another. God, I know that you are still calling. I know that you are calling people in this very room. That you are giving us a word. Would you give us the courage that we need to share it? to respond, to tell our neighbors and our friends and and folks within this worshiping community, here's what I think God is doing right now. Here's what I think God is calling me to do. What do you think? 
Will you help us leave this place believing, God, that you still call to us today in that still small voice? And would you just give us the opportunity, God, as we continue to pray throughout the week, come Holy Spirit, come, that we might experience one of these Holy Ghost stories. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for who you are, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Part of what prepares us to approach this table is to pause for a moment of confession and repentance. It's a part of the liturgy that I don't do every week, but I thought would be powerful this morning. Just as a moment to pause and acknowledge that we collective, again, I'm not just talking about us here in this room, but the universal church, we, we have failed at times to be an obedient church. We have failed at times to hear the cries of the needy, to hear from God, to, to hear the voice of Christ at work in the world, which reminds us to you know, go to those who are in need, go to those who are displaced and marginalized on the outskirts of society and find Christ among them. Sometimes we have failed to, to hear those voices and, and failed to be an obedient church and, and failed to practice the, the works of Christ's law law of love. Sometimes we have failed to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so I think maybe one of the most bold uh, and important witnesses that we as a people of God can make today is to acknowledge when we have failed. To acknowledge when we have broken the law of love. To acknowledge when we have not always followed Jesus Christ and instead followed our own ways done what we thought was best in our own eyes. That's what Christ's humility teaches us. That as a community in discernment, we've got to lead with humility. And so I just invite you this morning, just for a moment, between you and your creator and Jesus Christ who intercedes for us to just have a moment of confession. Because this is a table of grace. This is a table where we experience Jesus Christ who transforms us and redeems us. But there's got to be a repentance part too. There's got to be a change part before we receive that grace. So I'm just going to invite you to a moment of silence as we confess our sins before God. Almighty God, we just ask that you would forgive us here this morning. Forgive us for the ways that we have turned to do what is right in our own eyes and and not always been faithful witnesses to you. Forgive us collectively as a church, individually for the ways that we have messed up this week. Just help us to experience that grace and freedom again, that that's not all we are or who we are, but that you are calling us to a better way. So God, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. That because of him, we can experience salvation 
and redemption. Because of him, we can experience true life. And because of him, we've been given the gift of this community empowered by the Holy Spirit to discern how to live according to your law today. God, that's, that's what we're here to do. We're here to grow in love. We're here to learn. We're here to witness to you in a very hurting world. So God, would you come again, pour out your Holy Spirit on us to show us the way. Would you pour your Holy Spirit out on us gathered here and on these gifts of, of bread and cup? Would you truly make them be for us the body and blood of Christ? That we might be redeemed, that we might be set free, that we might be for the world signs of your hope, signs of your goodness, signs of your glory and coming kingdom. That's the place we want to build and work toward, not our own kingdoms. By your spirit, oh God, would you make us one with you, one with each other and one in ministry to all the earth until Christ comes in final victory and we can feast at that great, great heavenly banquet. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're talking about Holy Ghost stories, Holy Ghost stories this month, for the month of June, and I want to hear it from you. I've shared a, a few of mine, kind of alluded to a few of moments where I knew that I knew that I knew. I, you know, a couple specific ones where I knew that God was calling me to pursue pastoral ministry. I want to hear if you've got a Holy Ghost story. So you can email me, you can text me, you can call me this week. Not necessarily spooky. This next one, next, next week's a little spooky though. So I'm excited. Got to come back to figure out the next Holy Ghost story we're going to look at next week. Another Old Testament one. We need to teach more from the Old Testament. It's good stuff. All right, hope you guys have a great week. So good to be in worship with you all. Uh, I know, uh, hope that you know that you are um, blessed and empowered by the Holy Spirit to leave from this place and to be a faithful witness to him. So let's go in peace and be the revolution. Amen. Amen.